Welcome to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast, where we support your quest for a happier, healthier, planet-friendly life that supports you, your family, and community. We share local information, resources, and support, and opportunities to volunteer for projects that help clean, protect, and repair the environment. This episode is a bonus episode from another show. It includes an interview of a Northern Nevada local who is taking green action through their vocation, volunteer work, or hobby. These stories are interesting and informational and are a great way to get to know our local community better. Today in our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who in his retirement decided to start a nonprofit community garden project to provide food and garden education for people in his local community. I'm speaking with Earston Witten with Soulful Seeds in Reno, Nevada. As a child, Earston lived with his family on a sharecropper farm in Arkansas. As an adult, he obtained his degree from Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, served in the military, and retired from a career working with Allstate Insurance in Chicago. He now resides in Reno, Nevada, and is the co-founder and president of Soulful Seeds, a nonprofit whose mission is to provide greater food security for the local community through community gardens and other local food projects. He also serves on the chairman of the board of the Great Basin Community Food Cooperative and is working with Truckee Meadows Community College Diversity Committee with the Nevada Women's Fund and the Master Gardener Program. Welcome, Erston. Thank you. I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action that led you to creating a nonprofit community garden project and becoming a garden educator. So what planted the seeds for you to start taking some kind of green action originally? Well, when you have grown up in the gardening world, as I have, uh, it's just become second nature. Uh, and I got involved here locally mainly because uh, when I was the chair of the board for the food co-op, I thought it was important to get other people involved uh, who couldn't, first of all, did not know where the co-op was, and secondly, could not afford what they were selling. So the point was, let's uh, make an impact on the community and actually grow vegetables for that population, which we have been doing since 2017. And the co-op has been been very instrumental in making that happen by supporting us financially through its Roundup program, where uh, customers provide uh, excess funds beyond the cost of what they have purchased. For example, if if they have purchased something that's $20.75, they would round it up to to the full dollar and that 25 cents will go to us and we have been using that to su- sustain ourselves. So what are some of your earliest memories living on a farm? Uh, basically it was not very easy work because we didn't have any mechanical instruments. We did everything by hand and we had mules to do the heavy uh, work but it was uh, sun up to sundown kind of experience with very little revenue, we would finish our garden, with not garden, our farm was about uh, 20 some acres, almost 30 acres. And uh, once we would finish, we would go and hire ourselves out to other farmers for minimal income, like 30 cents per hour. And uh, so it was just a challenge doing all of that, but because we were literally in poverty, uh, it was necessary not only for us, but for everyone living in that part of the state to have pretty substantial gardens uh, from which they got most of their 
produce, almost if not all. And then they would raise a few, uh, raise chickens for eggs, a few pigs for slaughter in the fall, and one or two cows for milk. So was that largely natural gardening? Did you have, I mean, were they using synthetic fertilizers and pesticides at that point? Synthetic fertilizer in the farm, however, we did not use it in the garden. We would use uh, composted uh, manure, for example, in the garden, and the soil down there was very good to begin with. A lot of uh, organic matter in the soil, so we didn't have to add a whole lot, but we rotated uh, crops so that uh, the nutrients would not be depleted too fast. Got it. Got it. Um, having lived on a farm, um, what kind of experiences have given you a unique perspective on growing food that you've brought with you to what you're doing right now with the local community? I guess the perspective is that it can be done because so many people don't realize what's involved. I mean, I've known people from Texas who did not know that uh, Potatoes grew underground, as an example. I mean, they just weren't involved in it. But in our society today, uh, we are in a culture where people just aren't exposed to where their food comes from. Uh, they think it's from the store uh, and don't really think far beyond that. Uh, but fortunately, I think in this area, we have a lot of uh, farm-to-table movements that helps educate people, but still, still even with that, there are a lot of folks that just don't, uh, they don't have an idea still. Right. So um, have you done gardening um, all through your life? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, when I was in the military, you know, you're transferred around the country quite a bit. And uh, wherever I would go, I would uh, start a, a garden of some kind. And if I did not, I would... Uh, obtain freshly grown vegetables from local uh, farmers markets and or individuals to uh, consume. So I've always been involved in gardening. Excellent. So what was it like going through the process of setting up a nonprofit initially? Well, a little bit of background. We started this particular community garden in 2017. And we would publicize what we would have harvested, the whole process, and uh, developed a lot of interest locally. And so um, for individuals to be able to contribute uh, not only time, uh, material, and funds, it was necessary to, we felt it was necess necessary to start a nonprofit. Uh, additionally, we were given the opportunity to make a presentation to the Washoe County Commissioners on a mini farm, about two acres, uh, where women who were homeless have relocated to a campus that's been refurbished by the county. So our objective has been to get these individuals to, or as many as possible, to come down and actually work in the garden. We're just basically getting it established right now, getting all the logistics and background information, uh, background stuff created. But uh, the, I think the value of this is that we want to shift the paradigm from people getting 
stuff for free with no involvement on their part other than picking it up and eating it to actually growing it themselves. So we want to teach them how to do that. And once they learn how to do that, then they can pass it on to others in their, in their circle. So it's not going to be, you know, heavy labor, but they will know how to plant. They will, well, they will know how to prepare the, the soil, plant various vegetables, cultivate, harvest, and cook. So totally different from the current paradigm where people just show up for uh, food or it is delivered to them. And it's just a vicious cycle of given stuff uh, without any input. So we want to, uh, we want to change that. So that was really a big incentive to pursue this program, which we have been doing now since October of uh, 2019. Yes. And, uh, we just signed a contract to move this forward and we are working with various organizations to prepare the area. For example, put a fence to secure it, build the infrastructure, uh, storage, garden beds, as well as a, uh, we want to create a facility where people, uh, these individuals can actually learn how to sell. Uh, so excess produce would be a, Avail would be made available to the public, which is again a sh paradigm shift because we aren't used to people who are virtually homeless uh, providing things to the public. And it would be also nice in the future to provide high quality food to the restaurants when they open back up, as well as uh, to the food co-op. But initially we just wanna get the garden established and productive and then we can take those subsequent steps. One final point is we want to have those who have the ability, the aptitude and the desire to obtain a food handler's certificate. With that, we're anticipating that they can uh, work in the restaurants uh, and at least have some income and some incentive to earn going forward. And then of course, the ability to take uh, what has been learned and grow in their environment, whether it's a city lot, a, an apartment or whatever, you can grow things in a, uh, in a pot, for example. One of the features of our program is to buy a rice cooker or Instapot for each family because we want them to be able to prepare a, prepare a meal However, the only thing they have is an outlet in many cases. They don't have the traditional kitchen. So having just received a grant notification from the city of Reno with CARES fund funds, a part of our planned expenses is to buy a pot for each family. And then of course, we have to figure out a way to train them on how to use it. Uh, but I just think, well, we're just taking one step at a time. We don't, we never have all the answers because in this environment, it is constantly changing. So what type of, you said, what type of cooker is it? It's an Instapot, kind of like a pressure cooker, which uh, is a combination pressure cooker, fryer, rice cooker. You can do any number of things in it uh, that, and it's very, very, very popular. I mean, and the price of them range from, depends upon where you buy it, from uh, uh, 
say eighty dollars to two hundred dollars. So it's 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 just another way of cooking rather rapidly. Most people in a traditional household, I shouldn't say most, but many people use it to cook stuff fast. But when you think of uh, a rice cooker scenario, it's a very simplified approach. We just plug it up. And, and I'm sure you'll have people who will leave there and still don't have a place to live. So then we'll have to figure out how do we get power to folks who might be in a homeless situation again. Uh, it might be through a generator or whoever, whatever. I have no idea, but we got to start somewhere and this is where we're starting. Right. Sure. So how did you get involved initially? Did um, When you moved to Reno, did you know people initially? How did you start getting the word out? Did people just observe the car? No, I, I just... Um, I started volunteering at the food co-op. I would build garden beds, prepare them for planting, and uh, work with people that way. Prior to that, I started, uh, uh, I was living in a small building that had a lot of gardening area, so I grew a lot of garlic. And then I would uh, share that with people, teach people how to grow garlic, and uh, so, Along about the same time, I uh, enrolled in the Master Gardener program. And there I met an individual who was connected with the food co-op. He suggested I come there. And I went there and volunteered. And after a few months, I was asked to join the board. And uh, that's where I have been. It's been, a, it's been an opportunity to get involved with a lot of people in the gardening area and in the farming and ranching area in the community. And as also to get uh, connected with a lot of the restaurants because they buy, they like to buy organic, organically grown vegetables. The finer restaurants do that all the time. Today's environment, things are totally different. I shouldn't say different. They, they have uh, been impacted by COVID because a lot of the restaurants are out of business for good. Others are closed until they can figure out if they can come back. And uh, there aren't as many startups as there would have been uh, a year or so ago. Right. So when you became a member of the board at uh, the Great Basin Co-op, did meeting people, then you expanded that to being involved in other boards um, and committees? Is no, I was on that. I was on that board, and I think maybe for for three years or so. But when you are involved in the community, you tend to get requests to join a board, and uh, that is what happened with the uh, Nevada Women's Fund, as an example. I was just doing my own thing and talking as I freely do, and people said, "Okay, maybe this person has some value." I guess that's what they came up with. So I was invited to join. Uh, and I've always been involved in groups. I was involved with the diversity committee that was sponsored by TMCC and UNR uh, a number of years ago and got to know people there as well. So it's just a matter of being myself and doing the things that I like to do and, and helping other folks appreciate that as well. Excellent. Excellent. So in this process of creating a nonprofit and doing everything that you're doing, what might be some of the challenges that you faced? 
I think some of the challenges would be funding. Fortunately, we have a number of organizations and individuals that want to support something where they can see where their money is going. Uh, we have not had a major funding campaign, though that is going to start rather quickly because we did not have the lease agreement, land use agreement rather, with the county. Now that that has been done, we can go and talk to people and talk about the things that we need. For example, like hoop houses, like uh, uh, a tractor if needed, a mode of transportation, like a pickup truck and or a van. Uh, so we can go to them with specific things. Just as a side point, I had a volunteer come to the garden, our community garden, uh, just this weekend. And after working in it for about two hours, she said, how can we get money? How can we donate money to you? Uh, so she went home and did a Venmo donation and wants to do that on a monthly basis. I think once you have the opportunity to tell people the story and show them what we're trying to accomplish, talk about the value that it is adding to the community. When you talk about all those things, if someone has a heart, they will do something. If they don't, they won't. Uh, it's like you don't catch a fish every time you throw your hook in the water. But if you don't throw your hook in the water, you definitely will not. So I am, we are just doing our thing, staying consistent with our mission and telling our story to anybody that will listen. Excellent, excellent. Um, I think I read somewhere on your website that there might be a possible project um, in Sparks with like a two to three acre garden connected with a tiny home village. Uh, that's the one I was talking about. Uh, we're not going to do the tiny homes project, which is Northern Nevada Hopes is leading that work. We are, we are doing the one, it happens to be in Sparks, but it's a project sponsored mostly by Washoe County. Uh, Washoe County, they have, they have spent over $20 million refurbishing unoccupied buildings so that the people who were in the shelter downtown can rotate over there to have a much better life situation. So that is the project that is driving us right now. That's the one also where we just got a grant from the city to, let me back up. The gardening season in Reno is, is winding down, but people need to eat quality food in my opinion, 12 months out of the year, regardless of the gardening season. So when we became aware of this grant opportunity, we pursued it with the objective of providing food, fresh food three times a week to that campus. And uh, that will get us through December. What happens after that? We'll just have to figure it out because I don't know what's going to happen after that. I don't know what opportunities are going to exist after that. But we are also part of a food and security coalition where we continually learn from uh, the people in that group about opportunities. And we pursue them as soon as we know about them, if we can pursue them. Excellent. Excellent. Um, before I ask you this question, just something that kind of comes to mind is just how healing and inspiring it is to work in a garden. And do you experience that people that maybe are not feeling so great when they walk into the garden leave feeling better? Well, uh, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, so I can't judge what's really going on in people's lives. But I do know 
that we've had a number of volunteers come to the garden and work and really feel satisfied and really want to continue committing to doing menial things like pulling weeds and harvesting, etc. cetera. Uh, people have things going on in their life all the time. So I don't expect them to be there constantly. We do have at least one person who found us online and has been consistently there. We're now using her as the volunteer coordinator and she also is on our board for Soulful Seeds. So I personally believe it's satisfying to get away from the minutia that exists in our society. If somebody's working, they can get away from that at least for a bit. If they are not working, it gives them an opportunity to get their minds focused on something else. And I honestly think that when you look around the world, people are surviving oftentimes through physical activity, uh, working in whatever space is available to them. I mean, I marvel at uh, what I see in the Orient as an example, where people have been just farming for a long time. It's not as prevalent today in the developed countries in the Orient. Uh, it, is, it is there. So to your point, I, I do believe that there are mental, physical, and spiritual things to be gained from working with the soil. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work, aside from what we just mentioned? Well, it's just the satisfaction of seeing people learn, seeing people uh, work and support something that they can see the end result of and realizing that really this is this is new for this community. There are communities around the country that have been very successful doing what we are trying to do. And the one that comes to mind is the one in Detroit, not the one. There is one in Detroit, as an example, that I've seen online that they've taken empty city lots and made a community garden that truly is a community garden and that people can come there and uh, actually have a plot and learn things as they grow for their family. So it's very, very doable. It just takes effort and it takes, I think, pulling uh, resources together locally to make that happen. Yeah, nice. So if your ideas, your experience, and your wisdom were all wrapped up into seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to someone that might be considering this in their local area? Wait, I didn't understand that question. So um, let's say that there's somebody um, maybe in a similar situation to you that's living in another state, in another city, that might be considering starting a nonprofit and doing community gardening like you are doing. I'm more than happy to talk to them. I mean, they can contact me on the phone or via email or on our Facebook page, and we can connect and have a conversation and just... The idea of a community, the, the one thing you need to have a community garden is a community. You need people involved because if you do it yourself, you are really perpetuating the paradigm that already exists. We grow stuff, we will grow stuff and give it away. But to have the community involved and actually working and supporting it makes a big difference. An example of that would be uh, school gardens. I work with school gardens as well. And those that are successful have members of the community that sends their kids to that school uh, where the parents are involved. Uh, one of my messages is, has been 
gardens don't go to sleep on the weekend. So how are you going to keep it going, especially in this environment where, I mean, plants just need moisture and all kinds of attention because the soil is so poor. Why can't you, why can't you have that? In a school garden, as an example, you need someone committed on the school staff to make it happen. Because if you have people that are rotating in and out, uh, the instructors, if the instructors that work for the school are not committed to it, it's not going to be that successful. If they are, it will be very successful and kids will learn things and they will enjoy it. Gotcha. Yeah. So as we wrap up, what kind of resource would you like to re recommend? Maybe um, a book or website or film that's been particularly helpful or informative? I think a good resource would be the cooperative extensions around the country. Uh, I think every state has a cooperative extension. We have one here in Reno, but there is something to be learned from other places. This weekend, for example, I was watching uh, videos from a university in Tennessee where they have a series of classes that talk about various things in growing, uh, soil preparation. Something that's uh, one of the ones that intrigued me the most was uh, worms, using worms to compost your soil, as an example. So that would be a definite resource. I think people should look for information at their university cooperative extension and hopefully they have a program that has a lot of information that is easily accessible to people. Whether it's online, whether it's free classes or periodic classes, they may have to pay a minimal fee for. Uh, and it also involves doing uh, a lot of Google searches. So if you wanna plant something, uh, virtually anything, uh, you can search at that topic and get answers. But I recommend that when the answers show up, you look for the ones that have a government and or education link to it. So like .edu or .gov or something like that. Because if you go to uh, the commercial ones, uh, you might get the information that's conducive just to them. One example though out there is uh, the Farmer's Almanac. They have a lot of information online that you can get just in time training. And if you have the ability to read, you should be able to follow those instructions. However, you can look at the Farmer's Almanac that is a general nationwide, has a generally, that, that generally has a nationwide view of things. But if you bring it down to Reno, there's gotta be local application. That's where you work with the local cooperative extension and get involved with groups where people have been successful. There is an online source on Facebook that's called um, Gardeners in Northern Nevada. And there's one about homesteading and one about straw bale gardening. And there's several out there locally where you can pose a question and get input from people who have been successful at it. Keeping in mind that we have a lot of microclimates here so that what works where I live may not work in another part of town. Right. So what kind of classes or educational opportunities that you have coming up that you might want to share? I have been doing garlic classes now since uh, September, and they, are, they will be offered, I think, through the end of November. I normally plant uh, from the beginning of September through the end of November, but the reason I do the September class at various facilities is because 
that's when the product is available for people to purchase to start their planting. So I'll go, I'll go through that. We are working with that campus that we've been talking about with the, with the women's shelter, people from the women's shelter are residing there. We have several things planned for that group and it's going to be just in time training. You can't give the whole gamut of gardening skills in a very short time frame. So you have to do what they need at that point in time. One example is in uh, December, January, February timeframe, we'll talk about starting plants inside so that they get a, get a good start. And then when the weather is conducive, then you put them, put them outside. Things like lettuce and uh, cabbage, kale, collars, that kind of thing. But then there needs to be a conversation uh, in the spring about the vegetables that you can put in the ground from seed. Things like uh, carrots, beets, whatever is appropriate at that time. Great. So how would you like people to contact you to find your website and um, if they'd like to support you? As well? uh, they, they should look up uh, Soulful Seeds online and uh, make sure you get the one that deals with uh, our group. They can... Um, Look at uh, look us up on Facebook. Our uh, my phone number is seven seven five seven seven one two three one seven, and they can call, leave a message, and we'll be happy to get back to them and and talk about it. Great. Well, we'll be sure to leave a link to your website in the show notes as well. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you. It was really um, an honor to get to speak with you, and um, it's just wonderful what you're doing for your local community. It's nice talking to you and I wish you the best. Thank you for listening to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to this show so we can send you monthly episodes and keep you up to date on opportunities for eco-friendly living in Northern Nevada. For now, please take good care of you and yours, stay well, and help us all make this a kinder, healthier, and greener community for all.